If you would, please turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We are looking at verses 6 through 15. section that I'm calling God's Prosperity. Please follow with me as we read the word of the Lord, beginning of verse 6, chapter 9. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, He scattered abroad, He gave to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread and food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your own righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, we will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all, while they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of your surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God. For his indescribable gift. Father help us to hear. Help us to see. And Father move our hearts. May we understand the urgency of our day. But Father understand the seriousness of our calling. And Father may we embrace this text. With great cheer. With a hurried anxiety. To help. To watch the hand of an awesome God. Move through the hearts of lost people, drawing many into the kingdom, strengthening those in the kingdom, and watching the grace of God pour forth on your kingdom. To you, my Lord, to you, my Savior, in Christ's name, amen. We stepped into this section last week in verse 6, what I call a self-evident truth. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. He used an agricultural illustration that doesn't take a theologian to explain it. It's real straightforward. It makes all the sense in the world. But what you'll see is, and and what I watch a lot of people who struggle with in these texts, is what is his blessing? What is this bountiful thing? And, you know, is, is is this a spiritual thing? I mean, can I eat it? Can I drive it? Can I wear it? What is it? Well, if you watch from here out, verse 8 through 15, you see that there is a flow of what God's prosperity is. Now listen, I want you to be real careful with this. This isn't the best out of five. Okay, because you're going to watch this over the next few months that as these things are produced, they go on to the next and produce the next. Then you have the outcome is the likeness to God in its conclusion. 
Okay? But I, I watch people at times, uh, we become so, uh, you know, there's some s- cynics. Yes, I agree. There are people in the church who take advantage of people in the church. Okay? There are pulpits that take advantage of the people of the church. I've seen that all the time. We, we've been around long enough, everybody in this room, to have been exposed to a scandal or two. Uh, they, they seem to be very bold about parading it all over everything so that you make sure you see it. All right. Um, and I and I understand that. But when I look at this in this context and I understand the conflict that had been there with the Corinthians and the Apostle Paul, how that had been restored. And now we're back on task. You know, I've, I've got people and they said, well, you know, you're, you're asking for the summer camps. Yep, I am. And I will keep asking every Sunday, telling you that that need is coming. July. Alright? I don't know what we've given so far, but I do know some monies have come in. We are trying to help Pastor Paul. And uh, we've got a few more issues on the board. And once we're done, we're done. Okay? We managed to get him a set of glasses. You know, if you're going to be a preacher, um, once you get to a certain age, <laughs> glasses are non-negotiable. <laughs> it's either that or I take up directing traffic at a construction site. Well, that could be spooky too, couldn't it? But anyway, uh, <laughs> so, but, but see, that's the kind of stuff that I, I want us to think about. So when I look at this and, and we move into this verse 7, one of the things that you will start seeing come out of what I call God's prosperity is love from God. Okay, and he makes a statement there. God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, and he describes what it ain't and what it is. Okay, he makes this statement here in verse 7. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart. Okay, without compulsion and not grudgingly. Okay, so if you're a cheerful giver, guess what you're not? You're not doing it grudgingly, and you're not doing it out of compulsion. Why? You have purposed it in your heart. If your heart has purposed it, then he says, do it. Wow, what theology! It's amazing. The first thing that comes to you is when you give generously... Is love from God. Now listen. When I first read this. You know. It's been several months ago. And you know. I've been reading this over and over. And there's a lot of times. You just cruise through text. And just. I read 2 Corinthians every day. The whole book. Every day. Just read it. Sometimes I'm just as mechanical. And I just read it. Alright. The more I read this. The more I was in awe. Because I didn't, you read it, and I thought, you know what? I can't imagine, now this is just me, I can't imagine a more precious promise. Okay? A special object of God's love for our giving. That's what that verse says. Now think about what I just said. You become a special 
object of God's love by generous giving. Now, as you've purposed in your heart. Okay, so if you're a billionaire, what is generous giving? If you make $10,000 a year, what is generous giving? Okay, it is to what you are able to do. What have you purposed in your heart? All right. What could be more wonderful than that? Now, I'm really, you know, I think about it. If you have all the riches in the world, you have all the achievements in the world. You have all of the prestige in the world. You have all of the accomplishments in the world. And you put it all in one package and it's all yours. All of it. You know what? It wouldn't mean nearly as much as to have a special affection from God himself. Now listen, I uh, have read this. I have read some other men's writings on this. And I will be honest with you. And I've searched it. Uh, and and Now I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm not a theologian. Uh, I did not sleep in Holiday Inn last night. All right. I can't find a verse like this in Scripture anywhere. Okay? I can't find it. Nowhere in Scripture is there a place where special love is because of some behavior. It's not in there. I couldn't find it. Now listen, you gotta get, you gotta get careful with this. Listen, we know God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So there is a certain way God looks at his creation with love. Right? But I also know this. God loves the saints in his own way unto perfection. That love isn't for the rest of the world. That is for the saints. But this verse says that even with those saints who are being loved unto perfection, there is even a more wonderful way of love. Among his own, some he has even more special affection for. Remember a bumper sticker a few years ago. I wanted to get it so bad and, and my wife threatened me with bodily problems. But I thought, and if I find it, she's getting ready to go to Australia. If I find it while she's gone, I'm getting it. But I'm going to put it on her car. No. <laughs> it says, yes, God loves you, but I'm his favorite. I now have a verse to validate that. <laughs> he has a special affection for those who are cheerful givers. That word you see there, God loves, is the verb form, you know, of agape is the noun form. It's agapon. It's an action. It's a willful action. Uh, and it is a very special, strong affection God gives and he focuses on those who give generously. Okay, now listen. It doesn't mean that you have lots and lots and lots of money, therefore I give generously. It means whatever you have by the proportion you have, if you give generously and sacrificially out of that with 
without grudge, without compulsion. You guys act like you knew this. When I was walking through this, I'm like, wait a minute. You're telling me by my behavior, God will give me a special love? You guys are like, oh yeah, sure. I read that a long time ago. What's the matter with you? Well, why didn't you tell me? You get a benefit of this generous promise, and then you get a benefit of generous giving. Okay, now look what he says here. Each one. You know what I like about that? It doesn't say each pastor. It doesn't say each elder or deacon or Sunday school teacher or choir member. It doesn't say that. It says each one. You know what that means? Every Christian has the opportunity to be involved. And every Christian is open to this special affection from God. It has no limits on the people. You can experience this. You can experience this. You, every one of you in this room right now, can experience this special love from God. The word there says that each one, and then in italics, it says must do. Okay? That's the implication. Do this. It's implied. It's not in the original letter. That's why it's in italics. But he's saying there, each one, every Christian has this potential. What? As he has purposed in his heart. Okay. Every believer is free to decide what to give. I've been telling you that. Okay. It is the voluntary giving thing. All right. Give whatever we want, whatever you and I have purposed in our hearts. Okay? It's proportionate to what we have. And it is personally determined from the willingness of the heart. Did you get that? That's amazing to me. Listen. As the pastor, as the shepherd of this flock, my responsibility to you ends when I tell you the need. Okay, I'm done. I will keep telling you every Sunday we're still raising money for summer camp until we send the check off. All right. On the fifth Sunday of the month, I'm going to say we're trying to get a love offering for saints that are in need. That's all I'm going to do. I ain't going to badger you about it. I'm not going to. You know, you're going to go hell if you don't do this. You don't make me call God on the red phone on you. Okay, because everybody says, well, he he. He's got a direct line to God. Well, no, I think that you do. <laughs> okay. You give whatever you want to give. All right. And it's completely up to you. My responsibility ends when I say, here's the need. Here's the need. Done. I can't tell you what to give. All right. I cannot manipulate you into giving more. 
I can't badger you into it. I can't show a big screen anything of starving ducks or whatever that says, you should give more, look, or I'll have to eat the duck. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> it's up to you. But I will tell you this. It is before you and the Lord. And he knows the heart. Listen, I, I want you to know something about this because this is not a new phenomenon. I can take it back to kind of an old book. Exodus 25, verse 2. Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. Whatever your heart says. He wants it from a willing heart. Do as you have purposed in your heart. It is every Christian and it is individual. It is voluntary. It is personal. And that's where it starts. And that's how you do it. I mean, if you're really honest with yourself, isn't this true personal freedom? I give as God moves my heart. Okay? And and if you're true to Scripture, then you understand that this is the foundation of true Christian giving. As God has moved your heart. It's personal. Okay, now when it says purposing in your heart, I also want you to know something about that because it's not casual. Okay? Purposing in your heart is a predetermination. Okay? Your heart is the seed of your conscience. So your conscience is going to predetermine what you should do and what is your involvement. So this isn't a casual, you know, hey, whatever, I got a $10 bill here. That is not purposing in your heart. That's not a $10 bill, that's a lifesaver. Big giver. Okay. Um, it's not acting out of an impulse. It's not acting out of an oh, emotional thing. It is saying, here is a need that the body of Christ is in need of. How can I meet that need? Okay. It has involved in it meditation. Okay. Now, meditation, I used to think meditation was taking a nap. You read something and you meditate on it and you fell asleep while you meditated on it. Okay. Uh, the word is the, is, is, has to do with a cow chewing cud. Okay, and when a cow chews cud, it belches it back up again, then chews it again, then belches it back up again, and chews it again, belches it back up. So when you're meditating, you're like, I'm going to be thinking about a cow chewing cud. <laughs> okay, when you're meditating, you're going back over and over and over on it. What is this that I'm doing? Why am I doing this? Why is this door? Why did this opportunity come before me? 
Whether it is helping Pastor Paul, whether it is helping what's going on in Russia, whether it's helping with the summer camps, or whatever it is that, that crosses our paths. There are things that God brings up, sets down in front of us, and says, here. Okay? We think about it. And so if you're thinking about it and you are chewing cut on it, then you have predetermined it. This is what I will do. This is how I will do it. You ever done this? A need in the body of Christ comes up. Okay? So you go home, get your little paper and pencil out or however you do your budget. And you say, okay, if I cut down a little bit on this and a little bit on that, then I can add it to here. Right? And then, uh, yeah, I can give a little more here. A little sacrificial here. I, I won't have as many Starbucks this week. And, you know, so I kind of move some of my entertainment expenses aside. And I will help meet this need. All right? And so, you've predetermined it. Right? You guys ever done that? If you haven't, shame on you. But anyway. So you do this. All right? And then you go out and you get in your car. You turn the ignition on, the check engine light comes on, low oil, and you're blowing oil out of the side right by the wheel. Wow, there goes my entertainment money. <laughs> okay? You ever done that? Maybe not oil. But something in your car says, I quit and you can't make me. Alright? Or whatever it is. Right? And all of a sudden, I have predetermined this, and God says, Really? But of course, Lord, I have meditated on it. I even went out in the field and chewed cud. And then what do you do? You withdraw from the Lord what you had purposed in your heart. Hmm. Do you think God loves that person? Well, he loves them enough to save them. Is there special affection for them? No. No. Because what you're saying is, I predetermined this. I'm indwelt by your spirit, but I don't trust you. Okay? There are qualifiers for this, not grudgingly or under compulsion. Okay? The word grudgingly there is, is kind of funny. When I look it up, it means not with grief. Not with grief. Not with sorrow. Not with sadness. I'm not giving to the Lord with sadness. Or sorrow. I don't have remorse or regret in this. But see what happens, that illustration I gave you? All of a sudden you got an expense you weren't expecting. So now you regret. You know what that is? Grudgingly. Grudgingly. I know people who do it, but they are pained in doing it. There's nothing special about that. You know, I, I see the need. It's obvious it's a God thing, but I really don't want to do it. But I do see the need... I better step up. God don't care. You know, there are people who give sacrificially and meet a tremendous need, but they 
are sad about it. I have seen people who give with an attitude of mourning. And I think, you know what? You're jettisoning your reward. You're jettisoning your reward. They are depressed over what they're doing. Regret what they're doing. You know what I tell you? Don't do it. Because if you think you're going to get rewarded for that, really? Really? Why would he reward you over that? You know, I felt like it was the right thing to do. I know. And then, see, that's the internal turmoil in a giver. But you can also have the external turmoil. Someone expects you to give. Well, he did a good job of marketing it. He just had a special flair of really making, yeah. Well, that's salesmanship. You know God expects you to do it. You know, I would really like to invest in God. I'm not really happy about it yet because, you know, I'm not sure what these spiritual things are. And, you know, can I drive it? Listen, God does not love that kind of giver. And you know what? If you're smart, keep it. And if you're really smart, I would go spend it on yourself. Okay? Because once you spend it on yourself, you'll feel guilty about it. And you'll realize it didn't bring you any joy anyway. And you'll say, boy, that was the dumbest thing I've done in 20 minutes. So you have an attitude problem. Then you have an outside pressure problem. I know people who preach who are Bible solid. They know the gospel, but they will tell their congregation anything less than 10% you're stealing from God. And I heard him say that. And you're like, whoa, dude, that's pretty serious. Okay. Somebody in authority tells you you have to give 10. Somebody in authority says, hey, I have this really cool godly burden I'd like to put on you. Are you up for it? See what I mean? That's the outside. That is compulsion. Legalistic giving. Not to give with what's motivating you on the outside. And you should not give what is on the motivation forced on you on the inside. If you're doing it with regret, don't do it. You know what? And I've seen people who think, well, I just want to be a part of the group. Uh, we used to be downtown uh, at the, the, the old place and we had pews. Okay. Everybody, anybody here know what a pew is? <laughs> I mean, okay. Sorry. Big wooden benches. And when they went and got the pews, uh, the people who donated for the pews got a little placard with their names and stuck it on the outside edge of the pew. Really? Really? Come on, guys. Give me a break. How about I give you a Sharpie and you write your name on the back of the chair? Of course, and everybody say you're Baptist because they're all in assigned seats. Okay? But I see that. Why? Look, look at what I did. You bought a wood bench. Okay? 
That's manipulation. That's people being taken advantage of. You do not give under pressure of the external. You do not give under the pressure of the internal. Either way, either way you do that, you have been robbed of your reward. You've been robbed of your reward. And you know what that is, right? Love of God, generosity from God, glory to God, friends from God, and likeness to God. You forfeit all of that. If you do it with grief, or if you do it under manipulation. Listen, a true shepherd, true shepherd, okay? And I don't believe there are that many, okay? I've been around long enough to say, hmm, okay? True shepherd loves the sheep, all right? And he would never lead them to forfeit their reward in giving, He would never do it. He would not do it by manipulation. He would not do it by piling on guilt. He would say how you have purposed in your heart, how you have meditated, and you before a holy God, do it that way. I don't want you to give grudgingly. I don't want you to give with sorrow, reluctance, regret. I don't want you to give because, oh, they're dying and he's going to eat the duck. No, don't do it. Because I won't eat the duck. I don't even like duck. Duck is safe. That's not true. I got a friend getting ready to smoke me some geese. We'll see how that works. Uh, We'll see. Anyway. No pastor would ever pressure his people or guilt trip his people so that they would forfeit their reward. I want you to know this special love of God that comes from a generous giver. From a sacrificial giver. Give under pressure. Whether it's external or internal. You lose your reward. It could be from someone forcing you. Or you forcing you. Either way. You lose your reward. I try to teach you not to give out a legalism. I don't want you to misunderstand the Old Testament tithe. I do not believe you should give out a manipulation. Simply give because it's in your heart to give. Okay? Not because you have to, not because you feel the pressure. Okay, now listen, there's one way that you get this special affection from God. Okay, one way. It's right there in the verse, see it? God loves a cheerful giver. You know what that root word is? What we translate it? Made my day. A hilarious giver. Is that like Red Skelton? God loves a hilarious giver. I think that's kind of cool. A giver who is joyful about it. A giver who is in a hurry to do it. A giver who is begging for the opportunity to do it. A giver who is cheerful in doing it. A giver who is giddy and thrilled to do it. God gives that giver a special affection. God wants a heart that is thrilled with the pleasure of giving. That is what God loves. See, God has given a unique love for a 
generous person who gives hilariously. I think that's fun. I've seen people give and you think you're getting wisdom teeth. Okay? God wants someone saying, right on! And listen, this is not based on the amount. This is based on what the person has purposed in their heart and they are joyfully thrilled in a hurry to do this. In John's Gospel, chapter 13, we are told, God so loved the world. In John's Gospel, 16 and 17, He has loved us to perfection and what His love looks like. In 1 John, chapter 4, verse 16, He says, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. We know what that is. We've all experienced that. But there is a special love that God gives to a hilarious giver. A cheerful giver. A committed, generous, sacrificial giver. God has a special Affection for those who are cheerful and joyful, who are lining up. I want to do this. Let's get it done. I remember, and I think I shared you with this story, back when we were paying off our note, uh, we kind of got surprised by it. You know, we were kind of cruising along. We changed pastors. We'd gone to elder government, done some other things. and Everything was cruising along. And all of a sudden, uh, it was Hank came up and he said, you know, we have a balloon payment at, uh, in March. I think it was like January. In March, we got a balloon payment to pay off our mortgage. So that's fine. And uh, I said, how much is it? And when he, he told me, I got back up off the ground and said, really? <laughs> Out of sight. Uh, so you get before the congregation and say, hey, you know, by March, uh, <laughs> it's going to be fun around here. Okay, and uh, so everybody looked at me like I'd fallen off the turnip truck. But, um, you know, the first couple of weeks, you know, a few hundred dollars came in. And we were needing like 25000 I think it was, $30,000, something like that. And so we started cranking it down toward when we had to pay off the note. And, you know, we came into the last Sunday, and I think we were short about eight grand. And, you know, it, our congregation was about the size it was right now. And I'm like, hey, grand, <laughs> wahoo, here we go. Uh, you know, so you're trying to figure out the person who had to note as how do I uh, work out this deal? They had taken the offering in and started counting it. And everybody was waiting around. So, you know, they came back out and they come up a little note. I felt like a, an auctioneer and they come up a little note and there were 4,000 short. And all of a sudden there was two people says, here, I'll take care. And they came forward and, and then, then two more came forward. And we ended up with about seven grand ahead. And everybody was tickled to death to be able to do it. And you're sitting there going, and, and listen, this church has never been a wealthy church. I mean, we haven't had uh, what I would call wealthy a wealthy congregation. I mean, I don't know what everybody makes, but I, I, I don't know. But I watched that church step up because the need was there. God presented the need. And I was sitting there going, well, you know, I can always go a month without pay. And that was kind of, 
I was hoping God wasn't purposing in my heart. <laughs> Are you purposing this? <laughs> okay, because, you know, peanut butter and ramen is, yeah, gee. Okay, I guess I can do it. But but anyway, they came forward. But you could see the joy in the people. But I've also in my time in ministry seen people who did it grudgingly. Yeah, I got to do it. Why? Well, I got that bonus check. It's pretty obvious that bonus check was God's joke to me. I'll give him the bonus check. And you're like, well, happy, cheerful, and hilarious. Listen. I don't know about you, but when I read this and I see that there God loves a cheerful giver, that there is this special verb of love, a special affection that God has for those who are cheerful givers. You know, I I don't know about you guys. I want that. Okay. not only that, I cherish that. I pray that you would want that and that you would cherish that. Why would one ever want to forfeit that? I mean, he loves us to perfection. Yeah, I know that. Okay, God is love. Yes, I know that. Yes, and God loved the world and he sent his son to die for the sins of humanity. I know that too. But there is a special affection for a cheerful Giver who doesn't do it under compulsion and who doesn't do it grudgingly. A unique to be uniquely loved by God and experience that blessing. That's awesome. So. The first benefit of God's prosperity is love from God. When you are a cheerful giver. You have a special affection from God, which leads to generosity from God. Based on that special affection. And we'll deal with that next week. Father, to you and you alone, lover of our souls. Father, anchor of our souls. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this verse. And Father, I... I pray that you articulated it. I pray, Father, that the people would walk from here, if they didn't know this, with a great joy in their heart. Father, if they did know this, may they have a new confidence in their heart. Lord, uh, we give you the praise and glory. Father, we have seen your love. We know you love us to perfection. But, Father, to know that you love a cheerful giver is just uh, rocks my universe. Love you, Lord. I pray that my love will continue to grow with every breath you grace me. I pray for these precious souls that their love will grow with every breath you grace them. And that, Father, we would become hilarious in our giving. To you and you alone, my King, in Christ's name, amen.